Live from the Bunkhouse Saloon in downtown Las Vegas, Nevada, this is Bunkhouse! The essence of the show is that you are going to hear six writers who do not get to choose their topics or the side of the topic they were doing, and they are going to engage in what we call the art of the dialectic, and it is debate. It is persuasive debate, a thing that we are sorely lacking in our meme-generated society right now. The idea of actually creating an argument that is to be listened to and persuasive and thoughtful, and that's what we're doing here. That's the game. Um, as uh, uh, Donald Hickey put on Facebook today, it was something to the effect that it was uh, the most NPR. What was it? it? Was NPR before what? Before podcasts and awful Gen Xers and millennials. There you go. So it's that's exactly what it's like. It's the, it's the real deal. I should give millennials more credit because boomers like the Gen Xers even less. It's, it's true. Yeah. It's absolutely true. Um, so basically, you're going to hear three topics tonight. Three topics we're going to do. The first topic you'll hear tonight is the woke, warriors for justice, or hippies 2.0. <laughs> that will be debated by myself and my wife, Dana German. The second topic you will hear, again, very political, very in the news tonight, Medicare for all, road to health or road to ruin. And that will be debated by Aisha Cambestad and Eric Lewin. Did I say that right? Yeah. I did. I love it. I could also say Aisha Storm in case I was an idiot. Um, I'm kind of an idiot, so that works out. And then the third topic, and this is why this is a special night. Last month, Ryan Party, who runs the bunkhouse, had had just a few too many martinis. And he looked at me and he said, I gotta challenge myself to do things that I don't do. I'm doing this next month. I went, you are now. It doesn't matter if you sober up and change your mind, you're doing it. So Ryan, but this is the best part. Ryan will be debating his employee, Brandon Leopard. That's right. So this is, and their topic is, again, very political, Iran. World War III, or just another skirmish in the Middle East? The best part about the art of the dialectic is that by participating, one must pull the head from the ass of emotional attachment to opinions held deeply and look hard at those beliefs. Effectively, you got to argue with yourself, and because it's you battling your own shit, honesty is the default if you do it correctly. I find the woke to be tedious, obnoxious, narcissistic. I personally can't stand their use of social media to call out people they disagree with, cancel people they've targeted, use the very tools of the bullies they despise for their own ends. I hate the idea that these fucking kids show up and because I don't agree lock, stock, and barrel with their intersectional, inclusive, anti-patriarchal, gender-fluid bullshit that all of my leftist street cred, built up over decades of my own experiences in the world, are instantly invalid. As I thought through this argument that the woke are warriors for justice rather than just another iteration of idiots using fashion and the conundrum of conformist nonconformism to get attention, it occurred to me that perhaps the woke are different, more evolved than their activist predecessors. Maybe it's the specter of constant connectivity with the rest of society. Maybe it's the reneged promise of the American dream. Maybe it's the almost pathological disappointment provided by the leadership they've had to endure. The predominant agenda of most activism in America's history has been self-interest. 
The Patriots in the Revolutionary War fought primarily against being taxed by England. The suffragette movement in the early 20th century was primarily about giving women power and those activists were white women fighting for white women. The pro-union strikers, the, the Haymarket anarchists, the communists in the first half of the last century fought for themselves, for their rights, for their own piece of power in the hierarchical structures. The hippies in the late 1960s fought against the Vietnam War, but the impetus was not anti-war, it was to avoid the draft. The free love, don't bathe much, long hair, flower children movement was far more about self-interest in the lives of the Viet Cong or civil rights, and the civil rights activists were predominantly focused on black autonomy and power. The woke, on the other hand, fight for everyone else. The woke, comprised mostly of white heterosexual 20-year-olds, fight for Black Lives Matter, Me Too, transgender equity, indigenous land claims, Puerto Rico, Palestine, the homeless, fat people, cripples, and immigrants. These annoying white kids co-opting a black culture term derived from the closing moment of Spike Lee's school days are activists for almost everyone but themselves. Sure, the free college thing is self-serving, and the trigger warning thing makes me want to collectively punch all of them in their safe spaces. But the hard reality is this. The woke are the least selfish, most selfless activists we've ever seen in this country. Using the democratized soapbox of technology, they crowdsource change for the most diverse range of peoples and causes than any single march or protest in history. The woke listened to the words of the most marginalized, embraced the perspective of the America presented by Howard Zinn and Noam Chomsky, recognized their own unearned privilege through the prism of a more politically correct paradigm and found themselves at a crossroads. Self-interest, or utilize that privilege to benefit those whom history has beaten up time and time again. The true test of this altruistic and wholly self-loathing demographic is how they react to the very slowness of change. The hippies fought hard, but once the war ended and they were no longer at risk of being shifted to another world and lose their legs, decided that it was a better idea to jump on the capitalist bandwagon and ride it to climate apocalypse. Thus, the boomers. The woke seem different. Yeah, there's black Twitter, which is almost wholly narcissistic and self-important, and the trans community, which is almost wholly selfish and angry, but out of the 8% of America who identify with or demonstrate wokeness, the bulk are white kids complaining to be queer to fit in. If the woke are truly warriors for justice, this thirst for a better, more equitable society will not dwindle once they have kids, buy homes, have extensive debt, and realize that despite their intersectional activism, black people still don't invite them to barbecues. I have some hope that they will be more evolved, more thoughtful, and indeed better people than the rest of us. Society sure needs them to be. Thank you. And now the flip side of that argument, ladies and gentlemen, Dana German, give her a hand. Hey, thanks Thanks for being here. Um, because my husband has couched the argument essentially from both sides and beautifully. I've gone full deconstructionist postmodern on this one and I have written a poem I will begin with a quote from Do It by Jerry Rubin. Great book. According to Yippie semantics, semanticists, conspiracy comes from the Latin root meaning to breathe together. Our crime is that we breathe. The crime becomes a felony when we breathe together. The seriousness of the felony mounts as more people start breathing together at the same time, in the same place. A dirge for the woke. 
what they all will say in the future is that woke are unique only in they do not have a movement. The woke have simply proven that they are made up of the words of others which have been applied to the claim they lay to be critical identifiers of currency and films and history amongst many other contextless verbs awash in the falsities of late-stage capitalistic blink-shift-blinks in their chosen particular format for smash-grab attention feeders. Pop Vulture's exclusive obsession with purity to the cause. Too much of one and not enough of the other is the siren song of the ideologue. News is how this cult seizes its comradeship of blame marching while drunk on coke and bow, puffing cloud-exact vape gestures in the cave where that, uh, the cave where that allegory happened. That's it. So it goes. First, the plan was to live free off the grid and make babies while growing as much hair on your bodies as possible. Alas, incestual metamorphosis does not result in enjoyment of the sounds of children at play on Easter. Their eggs in one basket, our ass in one casket. Reality is the law, but the law alone does not fully illuminate the way. The computer alone does not teach. Fanatics for criticism, these, yet unchallengingly weak in mass, Choked by simple indigestion brought on by sentimental terrors, rest easy, dear Awoken. Everyone has a dirty house. Woke can never call itself woke or others. It's simply a style of impotence, a blindness dialoguing with the syndrome of itself, the paradox of the party versus the collective. Each system leads to another and the next, the never-ending symphony of class struggle, perfectly ugly, the Orboros as Narcissus. Those who hide behind one great truth are on but a single side of a two-way mirror. Not one thing is all things, not here, nor in a place we can yet fathom to find. Meanwhile, the hot city beckons us out of our cool country homes, a bath is required, but never is present enough water to erase the stink of our designs. Living is a war to fight and fight to not keep a gun in the house. No, there is no making war without making martyrs. And time fixes the ways contradictions inherent in conscientious situations contradict inherent conscientious situations. How will our political triad truly form Woke hopes vainly at applied policy while it malingers, affixed to the distrusted path. Can we endure? Should we criticize? Yes and yes. We've all been hoping to die with our head in the clouds. Americans make the best of foes, with epic nationalist sickness agog on hunger for an enemy, bringing us around to where hating ourselves is the perfect scapegoat. Ally America has grown sterile from prolonged pubescence, its womb scratched out by those who came before and are no longer young. Their character, reprehensible, endures as a most political neo-imperialist imperialist. The woke call out into the beyond. Oh, great elders of the left, beautiful soldiers, standing between blood and danger. Have ye truly now abandoned us back to the dead garden with our flaming moment of historical amnesia? Pleased to be awakened, pleased to rise and fulfill our wish to remain the great betrayed. So now is the time where if you have any questions for either myself or Dana about the argument, you may ask that question now. Anybody have any questions for us? I do. All right. Not so much a question as a statement. Okay, we've got a statement that's not a question. Okay. I don't agree with your statement that 
um, they were complaining about the Vietnam War because they weren't, didn't want to go to Vietnam. They knew it was wrong. They knew it was bullshit. France couldn't win. I mean, who the hell are we that we thought we could win? Oh, I'm sorry. We're, we're very arrogant. So, yeah, I disagree. You disagree. Yours was full of shit. But well, then I'm glad you're not the judge. There you go. I disagree with you, but I understand. 20-year-olds don't have enough information to understand whether a war can be won. So they just didn't want to go to the draft. Kathleen's going to argue next time. All right. She'll be on stage next time and argue something completely against her beliefs. All right. So any other questions or, or statements? With Dana. No. Jennifer. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, good Lord, Kathleen. Um, I need a question. Our, 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 my question now is a question. Um, with the, you know, hippie, two point, whatever, are they just people that are pointing fingers every place else and who are they really? Is my question. They, the, the trouble is they don't know who they are. Yeah, so I was agreeing. See, they just too busy pointing fingers at everybody else and at their heirs. Sure. And yeah. if they weren't good enough, they weren't this and Yeah, well, step up, do something. All right. Like I said, I'm glad okay. you're not the judge because we because I obviously lost. If you're the judge, I might still lose. It's true. <laughs> Jennifer Strom, you listen to both arguments, and you're sitting next to Kathleen. So, what's your take on this? I like both. I, I I you both did an excellent job, but uh, the one who swayed me more was Don, and that was better. All right, well, there you go. I want to thank you. I am both full of shit and the winner of the night. Boom. Before we start, I just wanted to, I wanted to start this off by saying um, to all of you here today, uh, I want you to contribute anything you can to Eric Lewin's GoFundMe page. Uh, he will be suffering an embarrassing loss to this debate tonight. Um, I will indeed be handing his ass to him, and uh, and he's going to need everything that he can get. You know, any any anything you can afford, anything at all. Uh, you know, just a round of applause. You know, just give him a help. You know, give him a hand. He's going to need it. He needs it. <laughs> sorry, sorry, that was kind of okay. Uh, so, how are we feeling tonight? Good. Don't just say woo like you're at a concert. Like, how are you feeling, literally? Like, how are you? Really good. I hope that you're healthy. I really do. Is anyone else starting to feel uh, really fucking tired of the mandatory maintenance that this bag of flesh requires? I am. <laughs> God damn it, I didn't ask to be here. <laughs> Two 20-somethings had unprotected sex a few uh, decades ago, and now I have to pay bills. <laughs> No thanks, I didn't ask for this shit. I didn't ask to pay these bills. <laughs> but here we are, greatest country in the world, right? America. We've agreed on a social construct. You know, we have a capitalist republic, a democratic system in place. Sure, there's a lot of bureaucratic garbage, and if you need any help from the government, there's a lot of barriers and red tape. But in general, we as Americans, we are incredibly wealthy. We pay taxes, we pay for social security, we pay for Medicaid. I'm contributing to society so that older generations have the means to live well and get the help that they inevitably need. All of us are in need though, really. Sure, we might be, eh, we're okay. But when was the last time you went to the dentist? Uh, got your eyes checked? Uh, how about that weird reoccurring rash in your nether regions that's low-key giving you massive anxiety? <laughs> Have we been paying attention to our health, mental and physical? No! I can't afford it, can you? It's too freaking expensive. By raise of hands in the room, who actually has full coverage healthcare? I see like two or three hands out of the roaring crowd of a hundred or so people. <laughs> um, okay, so around the world, there are advanced technologies for pre-screening of diseases, surgeons who've saved lives, medicine that is crucial for some of us to just wake up every day and just feel alive and just to live. 
and so many people cannot afford to utilize it here in America. We should not have to worry about the care we need in order to survive. We are sentient, conscious animals. Let's support each other, for fuck's sake. I would gladly contribute a percentage of my wage towards a government program that covers every single person living in America. And I hate almost everyone. <laughs> but hell, y'all didn't have to be here either, so let's just, just not get sick and die, right? Here's a little stat for you, though. The average premium and deductible nationwide for individual coverage averaged $440 a month, while premiums for family plans averaged $1,168 per month. Not to get all Bernie Sanders on your asses, but that is simply insane. The billions of dollars spent on our military can take a cut so that we can get the medical attention we need. I shouldn't have to give $25 to go fund me every other month for a friend who had a terrible accident. The other side of this argument states that it would actually be a bureaucratic nightmare. Well, with a bit of research, I have found that Medicare for All, in the end, would make the system a lot less messy than the current one in place. Medicare for All simply uh, simplifies the healthcare system. It alleviates a lot of confusion, bureaucratic headaches, and stress that come with, fall with allowing multiple payers to have their own set of rules. There are insurance companies out there with religious agendas, and they can, they can decide that I can't have birth control or access to other reproductive services. Seriously? It also makes it easier for businesses to compete in the global marketplace, relieving employers of the responsibility of providing their workers healthcare coverage. Employers, and mine included, employers will purposely screw you out of hours so that you aren't eligible for health care. And once you do qualify, you need to find in-network practitioners or else you end up paying a massive copay. And speaking with an agent over the phone about your health insurance seems like they're trained in the arts of swindling and deceiving. It's purposely very confusing for us to comprehend the many details about this stuff. Health insurance and getting proper care should not be this hard. Any one of us should be able to walk into any hospital or quick care and be seen and treated. Healthcare providers and pharmaceutical companies have taken the one thing we have by default, our lives, and turned it into a business for profit. People have resorted to rationing their insulin because it's too expensive, risking their lives, and many have died. People go on ignoring warning signs because they can't afford a quick checkup. Heaven forbid you need to take an ambulance to the hospital. The bill for the ride alone is hundreds and sometimes thousands of dollars. Because even the ambulance companies are privately run these days and no longer are paid by taxpayer dollars. If you happen to have a pre-existing condition, then your premium will be even higher. Do you know what counts as a pre-existing condition, by the way? Being fucking pregnant. Many women go throughout one of the scariest times in their lives, bringing another soul, another, another person into this planet without regular checkups because they don't have access to a doctor. And once that baby does pop out, the hospital charges you extra if you want skin-on-skin -skin contact with your offspring. Yes, that's right. A woman recently posted her hospital bill on Reddit showing that after her delivery, she was charged an additional $40 to hold the kid. <laughs> For real? <laughs> Capitalism has gripped this industry, and we are left to figure out how to make it work for us. Other countries have a universal health care system in place and never have to worry. Yeah, 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 the taxes. Yes, I know. The taxes will be higher, of course. We would be funding the lives of our fellow Americans, and it would come out of our pocket. But the welfare, the welfare of our citizens means a lot more to me than other such government dealings that are funded with my hard-earned pay. How much are we paid now for the clown president to play golf at Mar-a-Lago? Is anyone keeping track? I mean, take some of that money and let's just give it towards each other's health. Anyone with half a heart might agree that health care is a right and not a privilege. And actually, that person would have a heart. It might need, they might need to go to the emergency room because that sounds pretty bad. Uh, and that's my argument. So thank you very much.
follow up to that, ladies and gentlemen, recently married. So he has a sense of hope. <laughs> Eric Lloyd, give him a hand. Thank you. Uh, how about a hand for Don and everybody that was up here? Um, I'd like to thank Don for contributing to the art of the dialectic and having us have thorough and measured and substantive argument. And the following remarks will be none of those things. Thank you. <laughs> Furthermore, I'd like to thank my opponent for being my chief marketer for my dispensary quality weed GoFundMe account. Thank you very much. It's very kind of you. Uh, okay, so Medicare for all, not a good idea. That's where I'm coming from. Uh, the single-payer system will work super efficiently, right, as long as the federal government is efficient. But that's like saying crabs will disappear immediately once you see them clearly. <laughs> Ain't gonna happen. Now, I'm not defending private insurance. Private insurance is basically like our own homegrown ISIS. Uh, the business model is the more blood on our hands, the less cash changes hands. I mean, they barely send over a bottle of whiskey to suffering kids in the hospital, I think. I got that one. I know as far as the poor is concerned, they'll say pretty much the, the common line is like everybody knows that crack rock is a natural antibiotic <laughs> and that that shit kills everything, including you, eventually. So, no problem. Convinced yet? <laughs> I fought with them. I've had my pleas of mercy rejected more often than dive bar drunk chicks. But Medicare for All would have dirty lobbyists whoring themselves out on Capitol Hill like a bunch of Craigslist hookers. <laughs> it would completely open the door to all sorts of impropriety. It caused the bottleneck of healthcare, right? Like, you would have the, the powers consolidated in the government for payouts. You'd be on a Bernie Sanders-style breadline to just get your little wart removed. That's what, that's what would happen. Doctors wouldn't get paid. Nobody flies to Russia for surgery. Without monetary incentive and competition, you may as well be treated by Dr. Dre. <laughs> A recent poll uh, showed that 40% of millennials believe that socialism means everyone shares an edible. <laughs> I mean, Congress is like a dysfunctional marriage that stayed together for the kids, basically. I say, fuck it, let's split up the country, we'll flip a coin, who gets stuck with Jersey? I mean, the government couldn't properly regulate anything, if you think about it. I mean, they couldn't handle all of health care if it tried. They can't even keep a turd out of a public pool. <laughs> One dip in there, if you tried, you can con contract swine flu, Ebola, mad cow, boils, low self-esteem, cataracts, a usurous car loan, and an itchy butthole. <laughs> it's just an economic and ideological difference that might lead us eventually to civil war. But it's funny because today we would Netflix and chill the Civil War. Like, we'd binge it. Which is better than killing anybody, but binging's never good. I mean, no one's ever said I totally binge-fed the homeless all weekend. <laughs> like, the Civil War, we'd see, we basically see Democrats, like, airdrop acai bowls with bee pollen. <laughs> into their fleet of electric Prius tanks. Like, where? there's no fucking power cord in these woods, goddammit. Coexist stickers on their helmets. Meanwhile, conservatives come out in monster trucks blasting Black Sabbath. Here comes Iron Man, motherfucker. Nibbling on raw deer carcass they salted with gunpowder. <laughs> The left's military commander's like, quick, I need focus. Someone make me a soy latte. Quick, quick. <laughs> I mean, the Medicare... 
for all and other issues, I think, of ideological you know, nature should all be decided by what I like to call the left versus right Olympics, like a game show. You would, this would be like you'd have six members of a militia in Texas, right, going head to head against six millennial hipsters from Los Angeles. Right? Like, Team Hipster has to shoot at a watermelon from a distance and then quickly down a glass of real milk. No nut alternatives allowed. Then, Team Militia has to bake a gluten-free brownie and correctly identify a person who is sexually non-binary. And like a pageant, at the end, each side sums up with what makes them special. So Team Hipster says, we love Alyssa Milano and support her sex strike. And Team Militia says, well, we love Ted Nugent and support 70s arena rock and guns. <laughs> and then the judges come back, we have no idea what you're talking about, but we all agree that if you're gonna be on a sex strike, definitely do not have a gun. <laughs> and so in some, <laughs> I mean, Everyone is always talking, it's really a political, it's like everyone always talks about like, you know, you need to kiss me, I voted, right? Rock the vote, like, you have to vote. And then as soon as you do, everyone goes, you didn't vote like me, you Russian traitor, piece of shit, right? Your one shitty vote just ruined America, right? You, my, the famine in Rwanda and my chlamydia flare-up is all your fault. <laughs> and I think that this country can be unified. She's coming of age. It's, it can happen by the cash me outside girl. <laughs> so if you don't vote, cash me outside, bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so clearly, people need, <laughs> need health care. That's not in dispute. But the government can't be in charge of this thing. I mean, they can legislate, clearly. And they've already legalized marijuana, which is a step in the right direction. Thank you very much. Thank you. Come on up. I've been waiting two years, two years of doing Bug House for somebody to use a cash me outside reference and so we're done this is the last show it's been done and i'm excited all right so do we have questions for either of our debaters about the, what they about their stance oh oh Oh, I've, I've got one for Asia. 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 Should I come up? So, oh, yeah. yes, Asia, did you find any other outstanding statistics or anything in your research that totally, like, convinced you, like, yeah, damn, man, we got to have universal health care? Anything Wait, else? Uh, yeah, actually, I did. Um, whoop. I'm, wait, I'm very short. It's right. You're shorter. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like, looking at, uh, I've actually, I, I, I've spoken with a few Canadians about the healthcare system and uh, to actually argue on the other side of it, just to play devil's advocate, it's actually uh, proven that the, the, the treatment is not that great in, in a country where uh, it's taxpayer funded healthcare. Uh, you know, so a lot of times Canadians do come here for major surgeries. However, uh, they're getting pre-screened and they're, they're getting looked at uh, so that those things are being caught sooner. So, yes, if you're screwed, if you have a major cancer, if you're if you're far along, if you're terminal, a lot of the time they're going to come here, you know, for because we do have some of the best doctors and surgeons and, and specialists in the world. You know, they're 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 quite intelligent, but um, uh, you're you're being screened. You know, places like Norway, uh, you know, whatever the fuck other countries got this shit going. I don't even know. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I just snorted. It's okay. It's on a podcast. It's cool. Uh, it is. Uh... <laughs> it's good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, they're coming here for major surgeries, but you know, they they're not getting quality healthcare. So the doctors here, if we do switch over to Medicare for all. They're gonna have to make do because those people have an ethical. They are they they get into the field supposedly to help humankind. So, really? what are they gonna do? 
I mean, right? You know, like they're there for profit or whatever, but they're here. What are, what are they going to do? Where are they going to go? They're going to have to stay here. They're going to have to make do. So it might be, they might not be making as much money, but if you're going to become a doctor to help people, then you're going to have to stick around and you're going to have to help us. You know, like as a society, it's going to have to work out. So yeah, other other statistics do say that like the uh, the healthcare is not as quality as what we've got here, but it's it's I mean at the same time they're getting treated for for minor things, you know. So all right. Yeah, basically. Cool. Any response? None. 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 Any other questions? Question. Yes. Right here. Uh, did, did any of you looking at this, and this also goes to you, Don, uh, okay. Medicare for All and Universal Healthcare, and the use of universal healthcare is an umbrella term. Medicare for All, I guess if you noticed the nuance, Medicare for All is a certain type of proposed universal healthcare versus the original Obamacare before it muddled through Congress and we got the Affordable Care Act, which is a sort of, is a parallel to Medicare. Yep. Uh, that they are not the same thing. Nope. Right. So, because you know what I mean? Like, in Germany, that is a user pay system. It's not, uh, there are insurance companies in Great Britain, there are insurance companies, but they're, you can opt into them, mm -hmm. but there is a separate sort of federal user pay system that you can choose to be a part of or not be a part of. But no, nobody doesn't, be, or nobody isn't a part of it because you'd be crazy to not spend a little bit of money for a lot of healthcare. Then if you want what Aisha was talking about in Canada, if you want the really good insurance, it's just a little bit more. Yeah, no, the reason I picked, I specifically picked Medicare for All because right. that's what they're talking about. They're not talking about universal healthcare right. in the d Democratic debates. Well, right they are talking about Medicare it is for a, All. So. It is a difference Very between, different. Yeah. between oh, yeah. like what, what Bernie is proposing mm -hmm. versus what like Buttigieg and Klobuchar are proposing. You know, that is the, the line of delineation. Yep. yep. So, yeah. so that's the question. I mean, did you, guys, did, did you guys notice that too? So oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I did. I don't know if you yeah. guys did. I found it's such a morass of different sort of under that large umbrella. There's all these different forms of it. It's, right. like, it's like hard to grasp, really. The, the distinctions. Yeah, my, 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 my assessment of, of the situation is it's such a huge problem. And everybody, it's like most of the problems that we talk about in these in these debates and in these political sort of like in the campaign is here's this gigantic problem and here are 75 solutions to this gigantic problem. And it's just about figuring out which of those 75 solutions are going to be the less fucked up because they're not all going to work and maybe none of them will work entirely. So it, 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 in some ways, it's what I hate you saying is, you know. It's not perfect, but, you know, and I think that's probably something that, that right. Obamacare is not perfect by far, right. but, you know, they've been fighting for it since the 30s. Yeah. So. All right, Jennifer. Oh, you got a comment. Not a question. I'm begging you, would you just do the Jewish lilt at the end so it sounds like a question? Okay. Okay, thank you. All right. So you mentioned, oh, gee, we can take more, less money out of the military, so that it goes toward medical. Uh, you mentioned something. How about this one? Several analysts have calculated that Trump, as of October 2019, because he says, oh, I don't take salary. Okay, incurred around 109 million. Oh, shite. Hold up. 109 million in taxpayer spending related to his golf outing, which is close to the amount of money a president would make if he were being paid $400,000 annually for 278.5 years? <laughs> I, I don't even know how to respond to that. Like, My only response oh, is just, yeah. a, just a general note. Yeah. Hippies with phones is scary. <laughs> yeah, she, yep, she, 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 she did that. She did that. That's she all I'm that. saying. That's all I'm saying. All right, Jennifer, who wins this debate? Um, both arguments were very entertaining, but I was uh, more swayed by Asia. All right.
apologize to anyone who's into history or uh, English. This is going to be fucking boring. Um, <laughs> it's certain that the Third World War will look quite different than the first two Great World Wars. Trenches, tanks, raids, B-2 bombers, bolt-action rifles, a drafted military force, and seemingly unwavering patriotism seem to characterize previous World Wars in the eyes of many Americans. We're taught of the glories of the American military throughout the education. U.S. came to save the day. An entire nation was mobilized behind a common goal, destroy the enemy. Central powers in World War I, Axis powers in World War II, countries stood at attention and worked towards a common goal. Today, war is much different. Existing in an indefinable space compared to our glorified, propagandized version of war, our ancestors were lauded as heroes. America had triumphed over the bad guys twice in the first half of this 20th century alone and solidified America's place as a world superpower. Since then, war's been relegated to proxy warfare and low-level terrorism, top-secret raids and assassinations, as well as technologically advanced drone strikes and other cyber warfare. It's safe to say that the majority of Americans don't agree with most of our militaristic endeavors anymore. Quite the contrast from seemingly blind trust given to our government in the first half of the 20th century. That's why war is a much trickier game in the 21st century. It defines such a thing as a start or a stop of any war or conflict is less discernible. Having said that, I would venture to say that the current affairs with Iran aren't necessarily cultivating the beginning of World War III because the seed was already sown. We're in the midst of World War III, people. A war characterized much differently than any previous war in the history of mankind, with the destruction of the entire human population at the fingertips of just a few world powers. How could you not consider the world at war since the Cold War? War isn't what it used to be, and the recent skirmish with Iran is a perfect example that highlights how world powers dance around each other in a nuclear stalemate. The defining factor of this third and potentially final world war a little background on the current Iran situation. On January 4th, the United States killed Iran's most powerful military general, Qasem Soleimani, by firing three missiles at Baghdad airport. Trump ordered the attack as a preemptive measure after Iran attacked the U.S. embassy. Shortly after Soleimani's assassination, Iran retaliated by bombing two U.S. bases in Iraq. While several people were injured, no one was killed. Just last night, they again bombed the embassy. Thankfully, no one else was killed. This isn't new territory for the US. We've usurped the power of dozens of world leaders in the last 50 years. It is our unwavering commitment to democratize the world that has pitted many second and third world countries against our globalization. While the government paints a picture of peace and unification, the US is slowly destabilizing the world as we divulge into World War III. Now, I'm sure all ye great Americans are thinking, how could this meager Middle Eastern country with a population a quarter of the U.S. and an economic worth of only 2% of the U.S.'s pose a threat great enough to categorize this conflict as the beginning or a part of a world war? It has to do with proxy wars. They've been riddled the world since the Cold War. Our main enemy, Russia, China, and communism. Of course, we've been in a stalemate with Russia for three-fourths of the century, but now with the rising strength and influence of China, the great goal of America to democratize the entire world is seemingly slipping through our hands. Iran is just another proxy war, just like Vietnam, Korea, and all the military coups from Central to South America, including the Middle East. Because Russia has economic interests, both in Iran and across the Middle East, it is no surprise that any attack on Iran from America could easily be considered a transgression against Russia. After Trump pulled out of the Iran nuclear agreement and imposed sanctions on Iran, what more will we expect after killing one of the country's most important decorated military leaders? Let's put ourselves in the shoes of a common Iranian or Middle Eastern citizen. Your mother, father, brother, sister, cousin, friend, someone has died at the hands of American drone strikes or other such attacks. To you, the world is at war and has been for decades. How would you not consider this the Third World War? Those who lost loved ones from the US, in the US military, would certainly agree. The egregious, unnecessary drone strikes that have riddled the Middle East are nothing less than war crimes and have pushed the world closer to complete war more than anything since the turn of the century. As I said before, this Third World War isn't one of grand theaters and battles, but more subtle. 
one full of fears, terror, led arguably unstable, led by arguably unstable world leaders who had the fate of humanity behind the push of a big red button. Much like the beginning of the first two world wars, World War III has begun from grave economic disparity amongst countries. Downtrodden countries like Syria and Iran are following in the footsteps of Nazi Germany, uniting under famine and strife to fight against the West, who's occupying their territory primarily to destabilize the area and control the world economy formulated around the petrodollar. Except this time, the Axis has the support of two other great world powers beside the US and the EU. China and Russia. Russia is arguably already winning the cyber war. They have Trump elected, point in case. The US has ignited a flame that won't be extinguished, and whether it is clear in headlines and news of the present day, we will certainly look back on this time as a time of war and chaos. A world at war, but so overwhelmed with media and disinformation that its inhabitants are barely privy to the horrors that are happening or under their noses. The average person will continue to live their life aimlessly while the most powerful and influential factions of the world wage an all-out war that will likely be the end of civilization as we know it. We witnessed the denouement of World War II after dropping two nuclear bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, one of the greatest human rights disasters of the history of mankind, killing over 100,000 people immediately along with several more in the days, weeks, months to come, not to mention the lasting nuclear radiation that still affects generations today. How will World War III end? Everyone, enjoy your comfort creatures while you can, because before long, only a fraction of our population will remain after the nuclear fallout to repopulate a desolate, grief-stricken world that had so much potential but was ruined by megalomania of a few world leaders. And now as a counterpoint to that, we would like to introduce me to, to you as the voice of the people. That's what he said. I, did I say that? You did say that. You said that you were, you, you were going for something a little more homespun and that you were the voice of the people, ladies and gentlemen. Brian Party. Shut the fuck up, Don. All right, obviously, I didn't have a script, so I wanted to seem folksy. It's just me up here now. And obviously, you know, Brandon just got up here, and that was a great nap, Brandon. Seriously. I need to sit down, I might need to lay down right now. No, 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 it was good, and... Wait, play the microphone more at the monitor. You had me shaking in my boots. Boots on the ground. Boots on the ground. This guy, I'm convinced. Who is it? We're going to war tomorrow. Oh, we're, we're at war right now. Nobody in this room is old enough to be drafted. And this has been going on, no, that's true, that's true. But no, I, I don't think we're going to war, or the, I guess we're at war, we're constantly at war, and this has been going on since, what, 1980? This is, and before that, 1956? You know, Brandon's gonna throw out a lot of, you know, $5 words to make you scared. <laughs> Make us feel safer. Right? But the fact of the matter is, America doesn't give a fuck about her. <laughs> Sorry, Brandon. <laughs> Nothing's happening. America right now, what we're really concerned about is Kobe Bryant. <laughs> the only way I see World War III happening tomorrow is if we find out Iran shot down that helicopter. <laughs> Am I right or am I right? All right, well, maybe I'm wrong. Sorry to offend you. Too soon? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Let's, let's defend the rapist. No, no, we're not going to go to war. This is just another trumped-up thing. Even when they attacked us, they called Iraq in advance to let them know, you know? It's like, hey, we're gonna bomb you, make sure no one's at the office. No casualties. 
No, I'd like everyone to relax. We're not at war. We've always been at war, but we're not at war. It's just the industrial military complex. We gotta keep these folks working. It's all about jobs. Keeping the military, you know. We gotta feel like we're out there flexing our muscle. And Brandon, I want you to relax, take a Xanax. I tell him this all the time at work. This kid is wound up. He's convinced the world's gonna end tomorrow. You know? I just tell him to take a deep breath, kid. Take a Xanny. Have another shot of whiskey. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. All your university talk over there. Let's be a fucking bartender for once in your fucking life. <laughs> it's just another skirmish. That's it. Thank you very much. All right, so wow, talk about two very different perspectives and, and, and approaches. Any questions for either Brandon or Ryan? Okay, that's good. Yeah, I don't they, oh, I even know you, but she has a comment. Of course, she does. Yes, ma'am. I applaud Brandon's research. He really did fine job. Thank you. Not mine. Well, uh, I got a question. I got a question for Brandon. Thank you. All right, you got a question. Yeah, right. It's, uh, Brandon obviously did a lot of research. He had like two, three pages worth. But do you feel like us scooping up poop and heroin needles in the alleyway today, freaking behind the bunkhouse? Helped you with any of your research today? Absolutely not. I, I just wanted to connect to you, the people, right now. I wanted to set, you know, people at ease because I knew what this guy was going to do. Wind you the fuck up. And I just wanted everyone to relax a little. We're at the, we're at the bar. So wait, wait, follow I'm in the business of booze here, not create war. Follow up question. Are you sure you didn't get stuck with any of those dairy heroin needles here when we were cleaning them up? And right. you're not no, sure. But thank you very much. There you go. All right. Jennifer. Who won this argument? Uh, both arguments were very entertaining, especially Ryan, but I gotta go with uh, uh, Show. Throw us 10 bucks on the stage if you did not. Thank you for coming out.